Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hey, Duncan. Hi, Vicki. Here we are. Let's do something different. Let's do something different. I don't really have a clear path laid out for our discussion today. Well, how's that different from any other time? That's a good point. I sometimes pretend that we're really professional here um, on the podcast, that is. I wanted to, so I do parenting groups, a clinical group each week, kind of clinical slash mm, educational slash support group yep. for the parents of the teenagers who are in our program or just parents at large who've heard about us and want to learn our approach. Oh God, remember that episode where I kept saying at large, probably going to do it now for parents at large in the community. Uh, and I've been doing this group, geez, Joe did it for the first 12 years of, or 10 years or so of direction. And I had the privilege of sitting in with him in his parenting groups. And then I've taken over the past couple of years and run the parenting group. And one thing recently that has been, I think, helpful to a lot of parents and there's this concept of meeting or preparing to meet your adult child. Hmm. And because we work with teenagers, right? It's, I think a lot of our topics can pertain to younger children or even older children, but largely, I think if we're experts at anything, it would be working with teenagers. And so the parents I work with are parents of teenagers and it's a weird developmental stage in life. It's awkward. It's can be hyper emotional. Um, but then at other times you're very much this whole new adult, like who is this person? This, I can see them as their future self. And, you know, it's like kind of this swing between being a child and being an adult ping pong back and forth between these two worlds. Exciting and scary. And that's why we do this. Yeah. And transformational. I always feel like, um, Adolescence is a really exciting, can be full of turmoil, ups and downs, angst, but I think it's really triumphant in a way too. When you make it to the other side. Yeah. And to emerge from childhood, to step into your adult self, that's a really beautiful, courageous thing to do. And I think as a culture, we're failing to adequately support, nourish, and guide our children into that next stage in life. Because we have a pathological relationship with youth as Americans, I think, kind of an obsession, an avoidance of aging. Yeah. I agree, but I wonder if we're thinking that for the same reason. Yeah. And my perspective on it is that I think as a society, we uh, overvalue youth in in, in superficial ways. I don't mean like the beauty of, of childhood and... Um, you know, the pureness of new life. I mean, more of the path. It's a pathological obsession with the superficial aspects of being young, the physical vanity part of it, the maybe 
fun, irresponsible aspects, right. um, you know, adolescence, some of those, the wild ways of adolescence, um, which have good purpose for an adolescent because you kind of need to be a little wild and unhinged at times because you need to have tremendous courage to leave the nest. So you have to almost be a little insane at moments to take that leap from the safety of your home in this family, ideally, I know it's not for all kids, but ideally the safety of the nest and launch into creating your own foraging into the dark, the unknown. We've talked about the swinging of the pendulum as far as parenting and there's a more hands-off, not necessarily a good way approach of enabling and allowing kids to continue in unhealthy ways, right? And there's less of a, parents are sort of in marginalized, right? It becomes more about youth and TikTok and YouTube. Uh, and peers, socializing peers. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so that, they say, I think between like four and seven is when parents really stop to lose or start to lose their, they're, they're no longer the primary influence in their child's development. So that is a, a good thing in a lot of ways, right? Because they have to learn about life at large and not just about their parent at large, see, at large again. Yep. And so as adults, we still want to be connected with our kids and we can have a lot of influence in our child's life, especially if we have a healthy relational dynamic with our kids. Uh, but going back to this aspect of adolescence, we're learning to, there's a lot of developmental tasks that adolescents are going through. And it's that swing from childhood to adulthood. And I think it's a swing for the parents too. One thing I noticed habitually is that a lot of the parents that I work with of teenagers, very much the way they talk about their child, if you didn't know their child, you wouldn't know they were a teenager, yes. a very close to adult human yes. being. It's almost like they're still talking about them in terms of being just a child. Yes. And so how do we as parents prepare to meet our adult child? And that's starting to accept that your influence is going to be different, accepting more of that. We in holistic education take the approach that children are autonomous beings from day one. And we really honor that more so than a lot of other approaches, I think. But especially as a teenager emerges, they're going to be autonomous when they become adults legally. And so in all ways, they become autonomous. And this came up, I remember uh, I had a, a parent, a dear parent who um, is a long-term participant in our groups. And she had several home births. And she described one, and I hope I'm doing this justice and saying it accurately. I think she was getting to that point where the time for baby to come out. And she was having a lot of the normal fears and anxieties. And the midwife essentially said to her, do you want to meet your, your baby? It's time like you mm. got to like, get ready to do this. Like you got to do this, which is a powerful moment. I, you know, I think we all have that, you know, a lot of us have it during home births or births at hospital. But when she said this, I said, holy cow. And adolescence is really the second birth that kids go through. And a lot of parents need to be asked that question. Are you ready to mm -hmm. meet your adult child? Right. And even just psychologically or emotionally, I think it's important for parents to spend a little time asking themselves, how does that feel for them? What's their baggage when that, when you bring this topic up? Cause it's sad. You know, in some ways I feel like I might be, you know, I'm in the throes of it right now with three boys all under the age of five. 
I feel like, wow, like I might be rejoicing at that point. And maybe that is what comes up. Like, right. you know, like I have some more freedoms and less responsibility in a certain way as a parent, but it can also be a lot of grief. Um, I find even projecting fears of what that might be for your child, fears about the world that is really your stuff, not your kid's stuff. And so part of that preparing to meet your adult child is going through your, your relationship with that new relationship. Yeah, uh, we talk about a parent's role in life, evolutionarily speaking, as becoming obsolete. Yep. Helping your child along to become an adult so they don't need you. And for some parents, they're, unfortunately, they're happy to be done. Uh, it's not only, uh, it's not unfortunate, you know, if that's just part of the picture. Yep. When but it's the whole total piece, it's sad. Yeah, I get it. There's both an anxiety about your child growing up, which may prevent you from wishing that. Yeah. And there's a sense of becoming irrelevant yeah. in life. And especially when you spent what's 18 my years. purpose anymore? Yeah. And parents will sometimes cling on to their kids for that reason. Yeah. You, I think you hit it, the nail on the head with that one. Totally. And that's an okay feeling to have. Sure. Like that makes a lot of sense because in order to be an adequate, good parent, for many years of their life, it does take a shit ton of investment, resources, energy, focus, right? And it's easy to, I don't want to say lose yourself in that because I think that is partly yourself, but to all of a sudden when you're facing that being gone, that's why they call it the empty nest period, right? That there's a void there. Right. And making sure you're embracing that feeling, but guiding your behaviors around how do I relate to my child, not as a child anymore, but as an adult or soon to be adult, um, out of respect for their healthy development versus holding on to an imbalanced feeling. Feelings not imbalanced, but behaving in imbalanced ways based on a feeling. Um, and so we talk a lot also about individuation, which is essentially what we're talking about here. And so individuation, I believe, is originally a Jungian term. Hmm. Carl Jung. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. Thank you. And when he talks about individuation, he's speaking to the process that we all go through to become our whole self, to find wholeness in our life. And part of that is knowing who you are, who you aren't, what you are, what you aren't, um, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And we apply that term a lot to the teenagers that we work with. And we speak to individuating from your parents. So starting to see yourself as a separate person, but I don't mean separate intrinsically, but that you can function in the world without your parents. Right. Because we're always going to have interconnections with others and loved ones. No person exists as an island. But this idea of more entering your, your whole self more. And so the teenage years are really the second birth. The first birth being the physical birth into the, the physical realm separate from your mother. And then the adolescent birth is that as into the adult world, more into this psychological, emotional self right. that isn't based just on your parents' ideas or ways of seeing. And so the, it's hard. That's a, it's a scary thing to do for kids and also for parents for the reasons you identified. And so how do we prepare to meet our adult children? One is that we reflect on it and actually accept that that's what's happening and update our files to treat them more like adults. Kids are growing up, Kids whether or not up. you want them to. Yeah, yep. And giving up control over that. 
in accepting that a grown-up 18, like, you know, meaning 18, right? Say, let's just go with that number. Doesn't mean what they look at 18 doesn't mean what they're going to look like at 25 or 30. Like adulthood is a very vast time in our life and there's a lot of development that continues hopefully to the day we die. But you have to, I think there's a special, and I guess that's why a lot of cultures have rites of passages. And we lack a lot of those in our culture. There's not these formal markers. Uh, there are in, in some cultural groups, but I think uh, at large in our, <laughs> I had to throw that in, in our culture, there aren't a lot of helpful rites of passage. Unfortunately, what those rites of passage has kind of become now are toxic. I'm thinking, uh, well, you have graduation. Yep. Which is really a school rite yes. of passage. It's not even a growth rite of passage. Right. You have the next one that I can think of is middle age crisis, which yeah. sucks. As a like, if you're gonna pick a rite of passage, you shouldn't pick that one. No, I mean, maybe marry. I don't know. Yeah, we marriage, don't have a whole lot to Yep, divorce. Kind of these like milestone developmental tasks that people go through. But rites of passages, you can think of them as the community acknowledging you passing and transforming to the next stage in your life. And I think you're right that to think, I didn't even think of graduation, but I think you're, a lot of people do probably consider that a mark into your step into adulthood, but it's so limited. Right. It's, it's just looking at academic performance. In American school systems. Right. And some people don't graduate. Does that mean they don't you know, And grow? some people graduate and they are a tremendous nightmare in other aspects of their life. Yelling at mom, doing this, doing that, not acting mature in any ways. Victoria, we really don't celebrate getting older, and I'm just realizing that. We don't, that. and that's part of that pathological obsession with youth, ah. avoidance. You know, I think I you know, go to Botox, go to hair dye, go to, you know, like all these, and again, not evil in and of themselves. I don't want to come across in that way either, but there is societal, an uh, right push. It's a, yeah, it's just how yeah. we are. Yep. And it can be misleading, I think, to the youth too, because you don't see a lot of examples of aging in a way that maybe you're like, wow, that's badass. Like to me, like Joe <laughs> represented that a lot to me. Like here he was and you increasingly Duncan, I think like mature, still fun, relatable, responsible, stable. Just getting better with age. Is that what you're trying to say, Victoria? Yeah. Yeah. And cause it really can in a lot of ways, but in our culture, I don't think there's a lot of, and that goes back to the self-socializing kids have to humans are going to self-socialize. So if there's nothing that they see like, oh, I want that, they're not going to strive for it. And there aren't, I think there's, and maybe I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I know for a lot of the kids I work with and for myself and peers when I were, were younger, there weren't a whole lot of examples of people you're like, wow, that's a badass adult who's really wise, who... Yeah, the whole idea of other cultures respecting their elders and being yeah. sort of a wise man or woman of the village really doesn't, it's yeah. not such a thing here. No. We need no. to change that. How do we do that? We value wisdom more and we also grow the fuck up yeah. as individuals more. I hate to say it like that. I know, Ben, you might want to edit that part out. No, let's but keep it. That's the way you need to put it. Yeah, knowing that there's a lot of joy and I find I'm experiencing, you know, I'm 37 just had a birthday and I try to use those times of year to reflect on my own growth and development in that way but embracing getting older in a positive way and being able to enjoy like wow like at this point in my life I can add I can be a stabilizing factor in other people's life 
you know, like even being a homeowner sometimes, it, you know, that's a real privilege, something I've worked hard to be able to do. And by having a home, you know, we can offer to have family come over and host things. And that's a stabilizing factor for a community that you don't have to own just to do that. But, you know, some of the crazy shit we do sometimes, you know, in our yard and stuff. Did I tell you that this is speaks more getting back to the kids growing up? Speaking more, you know, you have the parental anxiety, you have the kid anxiety. And I had a fair amount of that. When I turned 20, I thought my life was over. Tell me more. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. So I don't even know that I loved being a teenager, particularly, particularly the 14, 15. I liked it more as I got older. But as soon as I hit 20, I thought childhood's gone. Yeah. What I, I was afraid of what the future could be, that it, it possibly could be something as good or better, which it's turned out to be. Yeah. But I, I got depressed for about a week. Yeah. And I, I remember my father saying, you know what, being a teenager ain't that great. Yeah, and I wonder how that connects to this idea of maybe we aren't giving kids enough idea of, of how good it can be. You know, and I keep going back in my head to Eric Erickson's psychosocial stages of development. And he says from 65 onward, and I'm not talking, that's not just the age I'm thinking of as we're talking about adults and being that role model and having wisdom. But he talks about the task that you're trying to accomplish is to create a life. And once you get to 65, the task is between, you're trying to, if you're successful at aging and living, it's integrity versus despair. And yes. so if you lived a life that you value... generativity versus despair? Generativity versus stagnation is oh, okay. adulthood, which is 45 or 40 to 65, I think. I'm glad you know more about this than I do. And, that, and that's an important phase too, okay. right? Are you going to give back? How are you... He says that from 40 to 65, how are you going to be someone that starts to be that stabilizing force that helps others, that gives wisdom... And if you haven't done previous tasks well, people aren't probably going to look at you in that way. Right. So it's really important to develop mentally. And it can be loose. It doesn't have to be rigid. But it's around like your 40s, you're starting to get to a point where you've created something worth sharing and that people find valuable. And your kids Other, are starting to move on, right? Yes. And still maybe seeking, though not your control, but seeking your influence right. because now there's someone who like, they look to you as someone like, wow, like I want to hear your opinion on this. Right. It might not do exactly what you're suggesting or think, but it's going to influence my trajectory in some way. And I'm going to allow it to. And that's why giving up control to gain authority is at the heart of the holistic education approach. But this idea that if you don't achieve that by middle adulthood, you often sink into stagnation. And I think you're seeing that a lot in people's lives, whether it's emotionally, relationship-wise. There's many different areas. You can be very hyper-successful career-wise or relationship-wise, but maybe not so well-rounded. Um, and I want to make light of it. So this is the incredible work of our lives. You know, it's a, it's a tall task and a tall order, but I don't think we have another option. It's just like the schedule of life, the movement of life, and it asks of us to step up into inhabit our existence. Right. And so then the despair versus integrity that if by old age, 65 plus, um, that if you haven't created that life, given back, you have deep regrets that you tend to sink into despair versus actually feel um, integrity in your life. And, um, yeah. 
So that's adulthood and some of the developmental stuff that adults are working on. And that's important that as parents that we're, I think, reflecting on that, how are we doing? And but then also preparing our kids or relating to our kids as people who are get our teenagers as people who are starting to begin to look at that aspect of their life and building towards that and not treating them like children. Right. Your relationship changes. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to separate. I think sometimes when we hear individuation or even us, like when we say like your job is to become obsolete because I, you know, and ideally if, if things go well, we're going to die before our kids. We say that all the That's time. That's the plan. That's the plan. And so you want your kids to be able to function without you. Right. And that's the obsolete part. Um, but I don't, as adults, hopefully our kids can be autonomous, but still have connection and relationship with us. And that's that influence piece. Do you think, I was just thinking about this. Do you think ideally, ideal situation, your child becomes a friend to you? Is that what you're looking for as in adulthood? I don't, I think there's many types of friends. And I think... I think we'd have to really define what friend, what do we mean by friend to right. answer that adequately. But to some degree, your, I guess cultures view it differently, but to some degree, your peers in a way that you weren't before. Yeah. But then again, in like, yeah, definitely in a certain way, absolutely. But then in other ways, hopefully we still continue to develop and meet the task because the task because of, of our developmental stage, like giving back, right? like entering old age with integrity versus despair, right. being positive and constructive, even, even as we age and, and life is coming towards an end. So we can still developmentally be moving forward on our, our own time schedule. But I think there does become more of a maybe peer-like connection. Um, but I've always thought, not that I think you should be your kid's quote-unquote friend, because it. but I think that's also said in a culture where like a lot of friends are real shitty. Like how people define friends like really isn't, I think, um, how I, what I would call a friend. Um, and so I, I even think that as children, you want to have an aspect of your relationship that's very friendly with your kids. Right. Friendly, warm, connective. At some point, and I've gone through this personally recently, um, our family has, the roles reverse a little bit mm. and you start caregiving for your parents yeah. in a lot of situations. Yeah. Yep. That's intense. That's intense. That's probably the subject of another podcast or another yeah. <laughs> a completely different podcast. And then for a lot of parents, you're doing that as you're meeting your adult children and then almost saying right. hello to your Same child time, parent. Right? Yeah, it's a crazy whirlwind for parents. That middle is that middle age? No, I don't even it. know what middle age. All I know is I haven't reached it yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I like that outlook. It's important. Long life. So back to preparing to meet your child as an adult or your adult child. That's the way I yeah, prepare. Are you ready to meet your adult child? Are you ready? Any other thoughts as to how you, you said reflect? You said, yeah, basically it's allow your kids to grow up. Um, one way to consider it too is that you have to accept that increasingly you're not that important and, yeah. and at this, it's paradoxical because at the same time you're ultimately important, but a lot of the stuff your child has to do is on them right? and not doing their life work for them. Right. 
Which is hard when like that's your baby. Yep. And it doesn't like, I think it's still with all connections in our life as resources allow, we want to take the approach of maximum support, minimum interference. But that you can interfere in their adult life by treating them like children. And this is really a process that should start at birth, right? You need to sort of, uh, ideally, you have your eye on the fact that your ch adult child's waiting to meet you. Yes. So that's what the encouraging development, encouraging individuation from a, an early age, encouraging a child to do for him or herself yep. starts early. It does. And I think it can be helpful for us as a parent to integrate that into the whole. Right. So like psychologically, we're also preparing ourselves for that as well. So I ever talk to you about orbital theory? You have not. I've not talked to you about orbital theory. Um, so this is a Gill <laughs> model of human development that's going to take dang. at least a podcast. Okay. Crazy, wacky world of the Gills. Um, my grandfather, I think. Yeah, orbital theory. But it's about individuation. Have you heard of this, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Ben's father's heard. Ben who, is my cousin, so that's my uncle. And so, who's also a therapist? Yes. Right. Yeah, we don't. All the we don't grow are any different from that. So uh, that or an artist. <laughs> yeah. But what's the difference, right? Is there really a difference? Anyways, another interesting direction for individuation and preparing to meet your child as a um, adult. Yeah, and I find that for some parents, yeah, there can be a lot of grief at this stage, and embrace that doesn't make you bad or not competent it, right? yeah be aware connect with it and then guide your behaviors right yep and find ways to nourish that new relationship this is ultimately a happy story right because it sometimes doesn't feel it feels sort of poignant yeah and you know what <laughs> just, the just, other day, just tell me it's a happy story it isn't though and i don't mean that that it's not a wonder wonderful excellent incredible story because it's the best story i think it's the best option it's bittersweet isn't it yeah you know it's like the cult of happiness we don't prescribe right, to that because right. and i because i think ultimately that will retard your growth in life and your optimal wellness right or something higher than happiness that we strive right. for doesn't mean happiness doesn't happen spontaneously along the way and that we're not looking to have some happiness in our lives, but we don't. We don't we, pursue it by itself. Yeah. Yep. It's I, illusory, right? Yeah. It's like a mirage that you can chase. Mm. Oh, Will of the wisp. I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyways. This is getting very Norwegian. Yeah, it's Swedish. <laughs> Swedish. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right, guys. Well, hopefully. We can follow up on orbit theory sometime soon. I'm intrigued. Me too. Uh, I might have to. I might have to do some research into the uh, you know, hundreds of pages. Anyways. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Have a good afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.